All right, cool, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Today we're here with Terry Lynn, myself, and Travis Marziani. And today we are going to talk about the year in review. So 2014, it's around mid-December now. Uh, what went well for us, what didn't go well, and maybe our plans for next year. So Travis, uh, this is kind of a long episode, so we're just going to jump into this. We're going to skip our updates. And let's start out with the things that worked out for us, because uh, we want to start off on a high note. And then when we go to the l- later part where we kind of messed up, uh, we can kind of plan out for next year too. I've talked about this a lot, but one of the best things I did last year was getting a VA and getting a virtual assistant not only made me feel really good because it made me feel like, all right, things are starting to be official. It took a lot of things that were taking a lot of time and just, I got to outsource them. So it really freed up my mind to be a lot more creative. So how much time would it have freed up for you? I mean, 40 hours a week, really. Like everything I had her do was stuff that would take me just as long. Like for instance, you know, posting a blog post, doing all this stuff. But more importantly, I think it was the fact that I got around to doing things that if I didn't have her, I never would have done. Like I, I, all these different little random ideas I had, I was able to utilize her to do it. So. Gotcha. And as far as her capacity, she's been working 40 hours straight a week or is it kind of shifted? Uh, no, she works eight hours a day, Monday through Friday, but I find that a lot of times she won't complete all eight hours on Friday and then does some on Saturday. I don't care. Basically, I tell her, look, you should get 40 hours worth of work done a week. I don't care when you do it. Um, truthfully, I don't really care if she even lies to me. As long as I look at what she did and say, yeah, that probably should have took about four hours. If it secretly took her two hours, good for her. But I keep track and every once in a while I'll see, hey, this took you four hours. It really should have only taken you, taken you an hour. What happened? Nine times out of 10, when I say something to her, she's like, sorry, sir, that was my fault. I'm going to add three hours on you know, to the next day I work. And I don't think she's ever doing it maliciously, but I think sometimes I don't explain things properly or sometimes you know, she just gets lost. Uh, like we all do. She goes on Facebook or something. But if I call her out on it, she immediately apologizes. Exactly. All right. So for me, I guess the first thing was moving to Vietnam. So I moved here in January 2014. And the year before, I just left my job in like September or August. Yeah, September. And so I went back home to type on and I was like, what am I doing here? It's just like the same routine I went through. And it reminded me of what I was doing. And so I basically moved here. Um, there's a bunch of DCers here in the Dynamite Circle, uh, kind of old guests like Ben Hebert, Will Evans. Uh, in different stores and just being around like a community of people was a big change of perspective for me in the sense that you know when you leave your job you're kind of by yourself right like your friends kind of are still doing their own thing they don't like i guess you kind of grow in different directions and just finding people that were doing the same thing was probably the best thing i did uh, this year so far vietnam though would you recommend it even for people that aren't necessarily entrepreneurs uh, I think it depends what you're doing if you're just bootstrapping starting out it's a good place but i think once you hit a certain level uh, it's cool to be here, but if you need to do like wholesale deals or be, you know, do press things in the U.S., there's a ceiling you hit being overseas. I'm sure like what we talked about earlier when you were in Argentina, right? Like you need to be in the production facility. Like there's some things you need to be uh, closer to either in like New York, Los Angeles or Austin, depending on what business you're into. So it's like if you're trying to publish a book, you really should be in New York because that's where all the publishers are, right? I guess if you want to build relationships there, you can only do so much online. So I think I think there's a I think like Southeast Asia I feel like it's a good place to start and it's a little over romanticized in the movement we're in maybe South America a little bit too but um, you know as this movement matures we'll see if I'm right or wrong yeah I don't know my personal experience has been I'm really glad that I did my South America experience and you know all this kind of living abroad things 
but it kind of makes me want to move back to the States, which I mean, I'm here right now, but it kind of makes me realize that, hey, to be really productive, it is kind of good to be be in the States. It's just a personal thing. I don't think there's a perfect location for anyone. And no. what works for us may not work for you listening to this. So, you know, especially if you have kids, it doesn't make sense to like run around every three months. Yeah. Airfare is going to be so expensive. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So uh, second best thing to you, uh, what was that this year? So I think expanding the paid ads and I spent the entire summer basically just looking at all my paid ads and seeing uh, what things I can add. So I added remarketing product listing ads and did some Facebook ads and product listing ads are huge for us. And I was actually just recently looking over what our return on investment has been from different paid ad campaigns and product listing ads has doubled, if not tripled our AdWords spend and probably tripled, if not quadrupled the amount of revenue we get from it. So product listing ads was really big for us. So would it be fair to say every dollar you spend, you got four back or three or? I'd say probably three to be, to be safe. Um, there's certain ones. I'm also being a little bit aggressive. If I wanted to, I could get, you know, for every dollar I spend, get four to $5 back. But I'm, since it is a brand that we have, I do, I'm willing to go like uh, one to one. So I'm willing to spend a dollar and get a dollar in revenue sometimes because I'm hoping that the lifetime value of that customer plus the people they're going to tell and all those other things are going to add. So I, I'd say for every dollar we spent, we got about $3. No, it's not bad at all. What, how does it compare to like AdWords or Facebook? It seems to be doing a lot better. I mean, it's kind of a wild card because Google pretty much decides where it's going to where it's going to be placed. So if you're going to do the product listing ads, do a ton of negative keywords because Google will put put it wherever it wants to. And I also found that there was a couple campaigns that I had in the product listing ads that were costing a lot of money and we weren't really getting a lot of return from it. So fix that. Yeah, gotcha. And would you say like Facebook was like one to two or one to one or like kind of if you had to compare them relatively? So that's something that's really interesting is I did a ton of Facebook marketing over the summer and I probably spent, I don't know, maybe close to 500 bucks, maybe more. So a ton for me, you know, it was the first time going into it and we didn't really see a lot of returns, but that was my mistake. It was the wrong season. So I kind of put our Facebook, I put the Facebook campaign somewhat on hold. I've only been doing remarketing through Facebook and the remarketing through Facebook has been doing really well. It's been costing about $5 per conversion for us, but I'm looking to expand it and do some new client outreach, new customer outreach pretty soon because right now is the season. So I think, you know, over summer they see it and they're like, oh, that's really cool. Cause I saw that they'd, you know, on average would go to four to five pages of the website but not buy anything. And I think it was just, it was the wrong time. So I'm going to try this again in January, probably. Makes sense. All right, cool. So I guess for me, second thing, uh, I finally launched my own store, uh, balloleather.com earlier this year around, I think April or May. I actually don't forget uh, the right thing, but basically I think I took a little too long to do this, but it was nice to finally have something up and to like uh, get my own store rather than just talking about it. Cause that was the one thing I was worried about is like, yeah, I have a podcast that talks about a store, but what are you doing without your own? So it was kind of nice to have finally get that over. But you know, with that comes a lot of issues too that we'll talk about in the second half of this episode. So I didn't realize you started your store this year, like April, you said? Uh, I, so I put in the order around January, I think. And I started and I had the, I did it like fiddle around with the website and like photography until like March. 
and then it finally it was like all ready to go in like april because when you order it you got to send it to like the fulfillment fulfillment center warehousing whatever that stuff takes a lot longer than i thought it would so yeah it's only been up about five six months wow no seven eight months yeah something like that but when you started the podcast you kind of knew that you wanted to go down the online store route or yeah but i just didn't do it until i left my job because doing three things at once i knew i wouldn't have the time to actually absolutely yeah yeah all right so i guess third one uh third thing that worked for you joining the mastermind and i don't mean yeah i don't mean this to be like a plug but it was great for me i mean before that i was pretty much just doing everything by myself. Every once in a while, I'd meet someone that's like some kind of online marketing job and I'd talk with them, but they'd have a very specific knowledge and you know, they'd say, oh, for instance, I've told the story before of the guy that's like, yeah, you need to do AdSense ads on your homepage so you can make some money from it. I'm like, what? I'm like, no e-commerce entrepreneur ever would tell you to do that. But you know, when you are just interacting with other people in the online marketing world, they'll say weird things. So joining the mastermind for me really was the first time I talked to a bunch of people that all were, you know, had a similar interest and they were going through the same problems. And it really kind of, I remember the first time I had like, you know, five or six huge ideas that I'm like, oh my God, I need to do this before the the next meeting. Yeah. Very cool. And it's cool that we met some friends throughout the mastermind, like people like Garrett a couple other people that are in our groups that are pretty tighter than some of the other guys. And it's cool that like, I didn't know that there were that many listeners listening to me. I was like, oh, like, who's this guy? Like, I have no idea who he is, but we're talking on Google Hangouts and all this stuff. So it's kind of a cool thing for me too. Because I always knew that looking at the numbers, like each episode gets about 3,000 to 4,000 downloads after like a month. But the amount of interaction I get, I it's like maybe like five to 10 a week. So there's gotta be like, you know, thousands of people out there that are listening to this now, but don't bother to email me or tweet at me or something like that. So, so, so it was cool to see who the people actually are uh, on my site. Yeah, no, I had a similar experience when I first came on here. I remember being like, oh, I haven't gotten any email. So I finally asked like at the end of one of the episodes, hey, anybody out there, email me at Travis at Build My Online Store. And I got a couple and I'm like, oh, this is cool. It feels official. And I still think Anybody that's out there listening that hasn't reached out to either uh, me or Terry, you should send us an email. Just say, hey, especially if you have an online business, you know, it's always good to meet people in the same space. For me, number three, kind of off your tangent was bringing on a co-host. So when I started the show, it was interview format, as you know, uh, around episode, I think 110, uh, we brought you on and you were, we actually found you through the mastermind group, which is kind of interesting. So Travis was one of, in one of the masterminds I had. And then I guess one day he was the only one that showed up. Somehow, because I think we got the dates wrong or something like that, and then we just talked for like two hours. And I was like, hey, this guy is pretty cool. Let's think about it. And I had this back, so I had this thought in the back of my head where like, gosh, I was getting bored of interviews because I think when I started out, it was only me and like another podcast. And then now, not that it's bad or anything, it's just that you have more podcasts, which is good, but someone can go on the same show, like, or they can go on different shows, but have the same story. So as a listener, you know, it was kind of like a huge, you know, circuit that, Everyone was talking about the same thing. So I was like, all right, how do you switch this up? Because uh, I never like being, well, I never like doing what other people are doing. It's kind of like a renegade thing in me. So I was like, all right, let's just switch the co-host and see how that works. And so since uh, you have experience with your store, I just started mine. So I figured, you know, something in the market where people have their own things that they can share while talking about general topics might be something interesting. So it's been working out great. And yeah, 
it's very cool that you're here. Yeah, I remember when you first asked me, I, I wasn't sure if it was just like a one-time thing or if it was going to be a repeat thing. And I remember the first episode, like I was just so nervous and it's, it's been, it's been really cool. Cause now it's a lot more just like the two of us having a conversation where before it was really like, Oh my gosh, like I need to script out everything I'm going to say. And I quickly realized if you try to do that, it just does not work at all. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the mess up. So this part we can spend a lot more time because I think most people online that I see don't really talk about what they messed up on. And this is what people don't like to share, I guess, because it's really, I guess it hurts your ego. So uh, we'll, we'll just lay it out today. So we all have, uh, Travis and I both have three points that we messed up on, uh, but we actually had four early on, but this episode might get too long. So we're just going to do the three biggest things that we messed up on uh, throughout the year. So Travis, uh, you're my guest of honor, so you can go first. Okay. So doing production is really hard. And for those of you that don't know, I'm sure if you've listened to this, you know, a couple episodes, you already know that I sell dance clothing. Uh, and the way it works is I'm in charge of all, all the online marketing, all the website design, all that kind of stuff. And my mom's in charge of the side of the business that actually does production. So we actually make by hand everything, you know, right here at a factory that we have in Valencia, California. And that's where the bottleneck comes in. I think that because if it was just up to me, and let's say we had an unlimited uh, supply chain and we could just sell as much as possible, it'd be really easy to get this business up to you know 100,000 revenue a month plus. But the problem is that we actually need to produce everything that we sell. And so right now what I'm doing is I'm back home and I'm going in and trying to systematize the entire business. And it's not a lot of fun. You know, I'll be honest. You're talking about the production line of actually making like a jazz pack. Exactly. I mean, it, there's so many little things that, you know, when I first started, I never thought about. Uh, big things, for instance, are customer service. I always thought, yeah, you know, we have to deal with a couple calls, whatever. But the problem is different people want their products at different times. And one of the weird situations with our production thing is we don't actually make it until someone orders it, which means it takes us a couple weeks. But sometimes people order something like, oh, I want it on Tuesday. And then there's a lot of keeping track of, oh, this person wants it then and this person wants it, you know, whenever. And the thing that was interesting is my mom doesn't, you know, have a lot of experience with the computer and for instance, like Google spreadsheets and all that kind of stuff. So I'm coming in now and I'm saying, okay, instead of like handwriting all this stuff, why don't we just put it in a big spreadsheet and then we can filter through and see what's due, what days, and just lots of little small things on how we can improve things. Are you saying she's handwriting orders on like a journal and then crossing them out on a list as she makes them or so the kind of the, <laughs> the way we were doing it worked when we had ten thousand dollars in revenue but now that we have close to forty thousand dollars in revenue it's just it's not scalable and what we were doing was we were basically handwriting every order putting it up on a board and then different orders are different colored uh i mean we have like a rush order and like a semi-rush order and but the one of the bottlenecks for instance was writing everything by hand and i'm like well I can get my virtual assistant to do this. And instead of writing it by hand, I can just have her download like a CSV file of all the sales that we've had and basically paste it into an Excel document that automatically puts it into giant order forms. And it just kind of streamlines the process a little bit. Yeah, that makes sense. But that's really old school that I guess. Yeah, there's some things I can't scale once you hit it. Yeah. Level. So, I mean, it's, you know, if we have, uh, you know, five sales a month, it's like, OK, we don't have to really worry. It's just like, yeah, just just memorize it. But then, you know, you get 100 sales a month. It's like, oh, let's write it down. Then you get a thousand sales a month and it's like, all right, we need to figure out a better system. 
So that's what we're dealing with. And one of the things is I'm jealous of like your style. I mean, not that you don't have a lot of work involved. I feel like there's probably a little bit less stress because you're only selling what you have in stock. And Yeah, there is literally no work. Actually, I'll be honest. So when my order comes in, it gets sent to this guy now and then he packs it in a UPS envelope through ShipStation. ShipStation basically presses print label because the order goes into ShipStation. It has address and everything. And then it pulls um, stamps.com, like a shipping rate from there. And then he presses print and then he puts it on the box and then he puts an envelope and then he sends it. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty jealous of that. Uh, so I, mean, I just I just get the email on my Gmail like, hey, you got to order, and then he replies, hey, I sent this, and like that's it. It's like, hey, you made money. Hey, that's cool. Yeah, but like, but but I'm nowhere close to like forty thousand. That's another thing too. But we'll talk about that later too. So I guess um, yeah. So this is a big I guess focus for you for next year too, right? Yeah, something I'm really interested in. I'd like to get into info products. I think I think they'd be really fun for one to write or record or whatever. But two, I like the idea of you're not worried about, oh, this costs me how much money? Because another thing I'm dealing with right now is basically the the accounting side of things and all that kind of stuff. But anyways, that, I'll save that for the next point. But yeah, I'd like to get involved with uh, info products. The grass is always greener on the other side, right? Like everyone, everyone with physical products, like, oh man, I wish I could... Get info product because you know it's ninety nine percent margin. I'm sure. And everyone that's doing info products, oh man, I want to get into physical products because digital products so boring. I don't want to do consulting or ebooks or whatever because I want to see what I'm making. And I don't know, it's just human nature. Something I'd I'd like to add in, if anybody out there listening to this, if there's like a specific question that you wish there was an info product for, you know, send us an email, let us know, and you know maybe that's something we could solve. All right, so my mess ups. Uh, first one, I think the naming and branding for ballalove.com, I really messed this up because I thought about this like a month ago. I was like, man, this is actually kind of cheeky and corny. And I didn't put too much thought into it when I started it out because when I did it, it was within a small group of friends where we knew exactly what that meant. And we would always say that to each other. And I kind of thought that would be funny to, or it would work in a general audience, but it didn't. So last week, um, you know, Miami, there's Art Basel. It's like a really big uh, kind of art thing all the rich people go there and so one of my friends had like a custom wallet there i made for him it was kind of like an orange leather wallet I, it's not on the market and then all these girls would tell him, oh it's so awesome it's awesome but why is there hashtag ball on it? and i was like oh man now i feel really embarrassed that you know it's kind of this cheeky thing so i think next year what i'm gonna do um so as i told you i'm doing a kickstarter i'm gonna roll all of this into the new brand i haven't figured out a name yet i have some prototypes but I haven't decided on it yet. So basically, once this round of inventory runs out, sometime early, mid next year, uh, when I do the new, next production, I'm just going to get a new logo on the stuff. That's so. smart. You know, I that's something I always kind of wanted to say to you, but I figured oh, I'm not going to say anything because it's your baby. But I'm like, the, the hashtag baller was, was a little too cheeky corny for me. And I'm like, you know, though I did see a picture of that orange you know, leather wallet or whatever you're talking about. I thought that was really cool. If it didn't have the hashtag baller, I'd I would potentially, you know, get one of those. Yeah. So next year we'll change that up into a new, new brand that's more presentable and not cheeky. <laughs> All right. So second thing uh, for you, what did you mess up on this year? So something that everybody in the mastermind groups kept telling me is that I need to get a bookkeeper and start keeping track of finances and inventory. And it's one of those things that I know, but I think it really helped being part of the mastermind and having people like, are you kidding me? You don't have a bookkeeper? 
Uh, even people with smaller businesses would be like, look at my business is making a fourth of what your business is making and we have a bookkeeper. So that's one of those things I plan on changing uh, in the next couple of weeks, maybe, maybe early January. So that'll be, that'll be nice. Did you get any recommendations from folks in the mastermind or? I did. I'm going to keep that one secret because I don't want, I don't want this company getting flooded. But <laughs> honestly, I think, I think the first thing, uh, and this is also a recommendation for, from actually Garrett he said, you know, do it yourself first, get down the system, then hire somebody else. And Oh, that's smart. That guy is so smart. Shout out to uh, Garrett C. Uh, I know you're listening. Uh, he's a really smart guy that we're really grateful for to be in our mastermind. And hopefully we'll all live in the same house together. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, yeah, sorry to keep you. I was actually talking with Garrett. I, I was like, God, it's just, what's the point? Like, I know we're profitable and I know this. And he's like, well, he broke it down really nice for me. He said that basically you'll you'll see all right we're spending too much money here we're not spending enough money here or you know this person's not producing enough and i'm like okay fair enough it's it's the same kind of thing i do with my paid ads already but just for the entire business and also like if you were to sell it down the line like if you have a year's worth of finances that are all out of whack like that's a red flag for some people yeah the biggest reason to be honest for me that i want to do it is every month I'm kind of guessing how much money we're making. I'm like, well, maybe we're profitable. Maybe we're not. Maybe we lost money and there's some kind of hidden thing that I'm not even noticing. Or, you know, they're, they're, maybe in a month there's going to be a big tax thing and we're just going to be screwed. So I think the biggest thing for me is once I get this all systematized, have a bookkeeper, whatever, I'll be able to say, hey, last month I made $4,000. That's awesome. Or right now it's like, we're reinvesting everything into the business, but we're not keeping track of that. So we might've made $10,000, but we put that $10,000 towards a new machine and fabric. So I felt, I feel like we don't make anything when indeed we're actually making money. Yeah. And there's like the whole assets thing too of the business, right? Like when you buy that machine, you depreciate that over time. And it's like, everything comes at different times. So like your actual cash flow, you need to have a number on that too, I guess. Exactly. So, so I guess if Garrett said you want to do it yourself, how do you do it yourself right now? Well, basically, the, what I'm going to do is go through and look at everything we've spent, tag it. I might use, a, I think it's zero, X-E-R-O uh, dot com. I might, I might use that software or website, whatever, and just go through and tag everything. I don't know. I'm going to read more in this, but basically the way I'm currently looking at it is there's different kinds uh, of ways to spend money. There's money that you spend, then it's gone forever. And then there's inventory. And then there's also stuff that you're purchasing. For instance, like a new machine. It's not just like, all right, we spent, we lost $4,000 that month. It's like, no, you know, that's like you were saying, it, you know, it depreciates over time. Sure. But it's, it's a reinvestment in the business. Yeah. There's all these financial metrics, like cash conversion cycle, things like that, that, that sound kind of like really Wall Street at first, but they're actually pretty useful in the sense that how long does it take you to turn $1 in inventory into $1 in net profit? And there's like an equation you can calculate for kind of these things like that. But I guess if anyone has a guide on this, send it to us because I'm not doing this either. So <laughs> we could use some help here if you know any resources and things like that. Ab so. Absolutely could use some help. Yeah. All right. So the second part that I messed up, uh, I guess, was the content strategy for Follow this. So I was doing some YouTube videos around... April to June and I kind of fell off the train because I think I put too much emphasis on the technicals and just I didn't really feel that the brand was that strong so I think that was like the underlying tone why it dropped off uh, the train so kind of this is something I'll work on on the new Kickstarter after that to figure out a more sustainable content strategy kind of like how you have with the blog but 
something more with uh, YouTube because I think YouTube is still a great channel that no one uses but I guess I underestimated the work you need to put into like making a channel and like your friend said I probably should have just done like an iPhone video and then delete them you know as I got bigger what do you mean by too much emphasis on the technicals just trying to make everything perfect yeah like you know having lights and stuff like that like a mic and like just these things add up and then it adds to your production time everybody I've seen that's been successful at YouTube Unless they're like a multi-million dollar company. I mean, if you're Coca-Cola, then yeah, you better have some nice lights and whatever. But for instance, Eric from Beard Brand, uh, I had him on an episode of, of my podcast and he was talking about this and he basically said that, yeah, just uh, put, he, his first videos, if you go back far enough, are awful. It's just like him talking to a webcam. But then over time, now, you know, you look at his videos and they're super professional. So I'm a big fan of just put something up, you can delete it later. Yeah, and I feel like that's a lot of things. As I left my job for a year, like there's a lot of things you can move a lot quicker on that you don't, whether it's in like life, business, or things like that. Like, cause I was reading Richard Branson's book, I told you before, and he started Virgin Music, I think like at 24, and he never saw a record contract before. He had to like borrow a friend's contract, and he like copied it word for word, and he changed like Island Records to Virgin Records, and he basically that's how he signed his first client. And he didn't had no idea what he was doing. And I think a lot of times when we think too much, it can kind of keep us from executing faster too. So yeah, I, I look back at when I first started the website, and I I'm like, how did anybody buy from me? It looked so shady and just. It looked super shady and it was just not, it was hard to navigate and all this stuff, but a couple people do, you know, and if people want it bad enough, they're going to figure out a way to purchase it. So it, and now it's hopefully easy enough for people to use. But, you know, back then it was just like, we didn't have anything. I don't know. Yeah, I have a friend who's kind of in like the music space and she had an interesting thought on her Instagram the words they're saying like, if you're in fashion or whatever and you look at yourself five years ago and you're not embarrassed that means you didn't like push the limits of yourself. And I was like, well, that's kind of interesting because then it's like how we're looking back at what we did the past year or the year, a couple months ago, you're like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. My site was so ugly. But that means that there's more room you can improve and you can keep pushing yourself too. So Yeah, that's, there's one of my favorite quotes is actually, it's something similar to that. It's a Silicon Valley guy that basically says the same idea. If you're not just in comp completely embarrassed with the first iteration of your website, you waited too yeah, long. Exactly. All right, so third thing that you messed up on, uh, what was it this year? So there's a lot of small things. Uh, some of the big things was social media. I really didn't put enough uh, emphasis on that. I really didn't capitalize on Pinterest either. I, everybody keeps telling me, oh, you need to be on Pinterest. You need to be on Pinterest. And we are on Pinterest, but we really have not been putting the work required into it. So those are two of the big things. Also, not properly looking at my paid ads. I, I did to some degree, but... I think that I could have done a little bit more thorough of a job. I, I had a, a good system down, but now that I'm doing it, I recently, you know, re-looked at all my paid ads and I missed a lot of things like displayed ads really aren't working out for us. And I, I kept thinking there's a lot of different like ads that I'm like, oh, this is going to work. It's going to work. And I look at the data and it's not working. I'm like, no, 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 it's going to work. And eventually you have to admit, okay, it was a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah, so this ties into like kind of getting your finances in order too. Like the whole theme where you get a bookkeeper, then you know your ads, how they're impacting the bottom line and stuff like that too. Yeah, yeah. a lot of people say that and I, I think so, but I think the kind of bookkeepers I'm imagining aren't going to go through my analytics and be like, hey, this ad didn't convert. Like I, I think I did a fairly good job on that, to be honest. I think the, but there was a, a couple different little things I missed. And it, 
for instance, one of the things I missed and I don't fully blame myself, but in product listing ads, the way that you have to set the price is different from regular uh, AdWords. And so I thought I, I changed all the prices. I thought I lowered all the prices, but I saw that my bids were still being too high. And I contacted Google and they say, oh no, you have to like go into this special section. You have to actually like, click on the ad group and specify the bid on the product. So I was bidding $2 for things that I only wanted to bid, you know, 30 cents for, for instance, and I was getting charged a ton of money. Third thing for me, like I said earlier, s slow execution. I guess I kind of touched upon this earlier. I think it could have moved a lot faster on many things, uh, whether that's uh, moving with baller leather, like getting the logistics, all that stuff set up. Like, like by the time I put in the order, I should have been up by like February, but it took me until like April to actually have something up. And so I think those things are gonna move faster. Um, so that's what I'm doing now with the Kickstarter. Like I haven't gone out in like a month. I only go out once a week now or once a month now. I give myself a quota. And I think one thing is that like, when you live with kind of people, entrepreneurs in Vietnam here or Chiang Mai or like, you know, Argentina, it's easy to like, hey, let's go hang out. Let's get coffee and let's go have drinks, right? And I think it's about like having discipline to like shut that off and focusing on things too. Because I think that stuff, as cool as it is to like talk to people, learn new things, cause you never know you might, what you might pick up, right? There's like a balance you got to strike with hanging out and actually doing the work. And I think now it's about more doing the work and moving faster as the year closes and for next year too. So something I noticed, and I'm curious if you have a similar experience, but something I noticed is that if I spend, let's say like five or six days in a row, not really going out and socializing and just working, I find that my productivity like majorly drops off and come Saturday or Sunday, I'm almost brain dead. And if I don't go out and kind of just like let go and I don't, I'm not even talking about going out and partying, just like maybe going to a park with a friend and playing catch or just having a human interaction that my brain just doesn't function properly that next week. Do you have any kind of that experience or not really? I don't really get that because every morning now when I, before I start my day, I spend like 20, 30 minutes reading and kind of that's my decompression before I start. And then once I'm done with that for breakfast, I just like jam until probably like 8 p.m. or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll take like a nap in between, but... I don't really get that social like urge to like hang out with people, I guess. Or maybe I just suppress it better. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I've, I've found consistently that the amount of time that I go out and have like a social interaction pays off in dividends for my productivity. So it's, you know, if, if I have one week where I'm just working every day and then the next week I do the same thing, I get less done than if I you know, work for six days, spend a Sunday just kind of like walking around with a buddy or doing something social. I, I don't know what it is, but it's just my brain is just way sharper that next week when I've... Yeah, like for me, when I'm focused on something, I see that as like a distraction. Like if I'm in a groove already or like a rhythm and then someone wants to go eat lunch, I'm like, oh no, I got to like stop for like hour and a half and kind of figure out where I left off and things like that. So I don't know, maybe. Oh, no, I totally agree with that. Like that's, I mean, during the weekdays for the most part, I'd like to get in that groove, but I definitely, I don't know. I, I still feel at the end of the day, you know, as a human, we're fairly social animals and got to tap into that. Yeah. Well, I guess the thing is, so the counters, I live with three roommates, two of them are kind of entrepreneurs too. So I guess I do kind of get that talking to them. Like we'll spend like 10 minutes kind of around dinner, 15 minutes, just talking about random stuff, ideas, Facebook ads, things like that. So I guess I do get that, but I don't have to like stop my whole week and go outside because they're just downstairs. Yeah, that makes sense. No, I mean, last time in Argentina, I was pretty much, I was living by myself. So 
you know, there'd be a couple days if I were to just work, there'd be days where I did not have a conversation with a human. So I remember going to the grocery store and just being like, ah, oh, let's talk with the person in front of me in line so I can remember what it's like to talk to another human. Yeah, you don't become some crazy antisocial lunatic. <laughs> yeah. All right. So those are what happened to us this year, uh, the good and the bad. So just to recap, uh, for me, the good things was moving to Vietnam, uh, launching my own store, bringing on a co-host. And for Travis, it was getting a VA, uh, expanding his paid ads and joining the mastermind. And what we messed up on to recap uh, for me, it was naming and branding uh, content strategy and slow execution for Travis. It was, uh, just, you know, manufacturing product, uh, kind of the nuances that go into that, uh, not having a bookkeeper, keeping track of finances and small things like social media, Pinterest, uh, kind of keeping all the I's dotted with the T's or T's crossed and the I's dotted, I guess. <laughs> all right, cool. So I guess uh, we'll see you guys next year. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, thanks for joining us for such a long time. And thank you for your support. And uh, finally, if you want to join Mastermind Calls, they're still open uh, for about a week or so. So um, go to the website and click the Join the Mafia tab. All right, so Travis, we'll see you uh, next week. And yeah, catch you later. Sounds great. All right, bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Build My Online Store podcast. If you want the show notes, make sure to check out the website at buildmyonlinestore.com. And if you've got an e-commerce store, every two weeks I lead a live mastermind call with about five or six of the listeners in two separate groups where we work openly together and solve a business problem that you have. And we're all there to support each other. So if this sounds like a cup of tea, make sure to check us out at buildmyonlinestore.com slash mastermind. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch up with you guys next week.